Welcome to another episode of the Scared Stiff Horror Podcast. I am your host, Doug Plumatello, a filmmaker from Stamford, Connecticut, and writer and director of the upcoming horror film, Halloween Candy. On today's show, we have a fantastic interview with veteran horror filmmaker, Gino Magahi. Gino has been making movies for over 20 years and has recently released several films, including Scary Tales Dead Zone, Deadly Western, Fatal Justice, and the holiday film, A Christmas Invitation. In today's interview, Gino discusses his career, his films, and his love for horror movies. As you will hear during the interview, Gino is a passionate filmmaker, a really great guy, and someone who you will definitely want to root for as his movies continue to find success. Without further ado, let's go to the interview. Gino Magahi, welcome to the Scarcity Horror Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Doug. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You are, without a doubt, one of the most prolific indie filmmakers working right now. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, it's in my blood. I'm obsessive by nature, so uh, and also I'm a compulsive writer, so I always want to be making something. So yeah, I can't help it. Um, sometimes I, I wish I could, but I can't. I just gotta keep it going. For those who don't know, Gino has been in the game for over two decades. Your first film, 2001's Evil Awakening. And since then, you've written and directed, what, 16 feature-length films? It's somewhere around there. I know I've I've written a bunch. I've directed. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't really keep track of it. Uh, but uh, 16 sounds about right. There's probably 25 if you count the ones that I've like written and someone else produced. So how did you get in the film industry? Was this something that was in your blood since you were a child or something that came into you later on in life? 12 years old, uh, my parents had a uh, VHS loaded camcorder and I was always like a storyteller. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to um, kind of like translate my stories to film. And before I knew it, I was making short films with my buddies, you know, weekly. And uh, it just went from there eventually to the point where I was working at a video store and I read an article from the uh, video store magazine about if you want to make it into film, make a digital uh, horror film or a horror film on digital. And I just bought the world's shittiest digital camera. And I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. And that's how Evil Awakening was born. So it kind of like just um, it kind of like was just like happened, you know, very, very strangely and almost uh it surprised me how it happened so it is in my blood it is something i've done from uh, a very young age but i've always been a storyteller from being a kid it's just when i found that vhs camcorder it just opened up a new world for me yeah a lot of people may know your film rise of the scarecrow which had a, a long run on netflix back in the day tell me about the impetus of rise of the scarecrows and what what happened from that movie Rise of the Scarecrows was the surprise, and it was a it was a pleasant surprise, even though at the time I didn't I didn't think so. I filmed Rise of the Scarecrows in like two thousand three, two thousand four. We got distribution, but the rumor got around that it was the sequel to nineteen eighty eight Scarecrows, and all of a sudden Netflix picked it up for their streaming service, which just launched. Uh, they bought five thousand of the DVDs. And we were off and running. CBS ran a piece of this is a movie you should be looking out for horror fans. And so 25-year-old me was like, oh, shit, uh, I'm, I'm doing it now. This is fantastic. So Scarecrow's got a huge audience. And initially, like, it was like for me dealing with bad press because fans can be very um, cutthroat. And they came at me 
you know, don't give up your day job, all this stuff and a lot of stuff worse. But it gave me a thick skin. And, and actually, like over time, a lot of the people that have reviewed Scarecrows from when it came out, I, I, I now consider friends and they look at it with a certain amount of of warmth and nostalgia that, um, you know, it has its shortcomings, but it put me on the map and it has some charm. I think even though it's got issues, people can still see my soul was in that film. I wanted to make a good film. I was just young and just didn't have the tools or the resources to make it what I wanted it to be, but it still um, got me on the map. And I'm thankful for that because without scarecrows, you know, I, I might still be in uh, nowhere land. Yeah. In the last several years, you've produced what seven or eight films since well, 2017. It seems like every few months you got a new movie coming out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great thing, you know, well in 2021, I had written Amityville Cop, which was produced by Cinemapic, and I had came back to film after a brief hiatus of, I don't know, four years, five years, whatever it was, and made Rise of the Scarecrow's Hell on Earth. And that kind of introduced me to a lot of great people, and 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 uh, we filmed on a mountain, and we all camped there. So it almost became like a family, and I started to think to myself, like, this is something I want. This is something I'm enjoying. And I have all this talent, like this incredible group of people that can just act. And, and on top of acting, they got big hearts. So for me, I said, why am I not doing this? So it's, it's, it's a painful addiction. It's a love hate relationship. I'm definitely addicted to film. And I just keep on writing. Like you could actually take all my screenplays. If you printed them out, Doug, you can make a house for yourself out of them. <laughs> well, one thing I really like about your movies is you have a very strong acting troupe and you have a, a core of actors that kind of are playing different roles in each movie. So one guy that's a villain in one movie may be the hero in the next. And it's kind of fun to see the same faces come back, but completely different roles. And it's kind of one of the, the fun parts of a Gino Magahi movie is, OK, now what's this guy going to be doing in this movie? And it's, you could, But you can tell that that there must be a real love between you guys as far as filmmakers that you, you keep coming back together to create more. Most of my, my people, you know, I, I would walk through fire for, you know, it's a, uh, I don't consider myself a fighter, but I would, I'd put up my Dukes if it meant protecting one of them for sure. I love these guys. And um, they're also talented and it's actually fun to challenge them. Like, uh, Eric McCallion, who's been in, you know, Fatal Justice, Scarecrows. He was in the Star of Deadly Western. Um, just throwing things at him that I, I know are challenging and for him to just seize that and then do well. And, and Brent Northup and, and Laurie Bacon, um, I love throwing things at them that are kind of like out of their wheelhouse because what I'm writing now, a lot of it's out of my wheelhouse. Uh, the Western, writing a Western, you know, geez. Um, I, you know, I didn't really watch Westerns and so my boss wanted me to go to California and, and, and write and direct a Western. I'm like, you know, holy crap, what, how am I going to do this? And it forced me to get out of my comfort zone. So, uh, I guess if I'm forced out of mine, I need to force them out of theirs. And then they all always soar. I never have a question with, with my actors, uh, any of them across the board. I, uh, I'm very grateful and very fortunate to, to have met this group. Is this group mainly for people that are from your, your home state of Massachusetts? 
Uh, it's a it's a mix between um, Connecticut and Mass, but I also have some of my California people like Chris Spinelli. He flies over now for my films. Um, I would love for more of the California people to fly over and uh, be part of it. But yeah, that's the whole thing. Like the Cinema Epic family in California and and, and the X Posse family here in Western Mass. Uh, I I just know like we're just one big collection of great people that are, have come together. But primarily when I film here, it's Massachusetts. It's Connecticut, and it's a smidge of uh, California. Funny thing about your career is you primarily did horror films for your first 20 years or so, but recently you found a lot of success in a Christmas movie. Yeah, talk, talk about a Christmas invitation. Yeah, a Christmas invitation. Um, it's one of the films I'm probably – it may be the film I'm most proud of. I ended up like, – like I spoke about the mountain there and Scarecrows. When I met everybody, I, I – I had always, for like 10 years, I wanted to make a Christmas movie. My, my wife uh, watched a lot of the Hallmark Christmas movies, so finally I would sit down and watch them with her. And, and I found that they did. They weren't the complete empty shells that everyone said there were. There's some that had some substance. I just thought I could do better. And um, so I, I decided to write a Christmas movie. And after Scarecrows, I had the people to be part of this. And so it's a... Um, dysfunctional family that's uh brought together by a grandmother's dying wish and there's a lot of dirty laundry it's definitely not a hallmark movie it's got edge and it's got drama but it's still my most popular movie i can't believe it it came out of the gate swinging and um i get people that hit me up and they're like you know i'm so glad that you you made that movie you know we need a, a christian movie that's that's not a, a punch in your face you know down your throat and I'm, I'm thinking to myself well it's not a christian movie but it however people read it I'm, I'm happy you know and i'm happy that people liked it because i think everyone with family issues that watched it it resonated with them and it's still doing big numbers so i can't i can't be happier i'm actually thinking about right, making another christmas movie because that Christmas movie really did well. I was very pleased. Did better than any horror film I've done. Reading your website for a few years, I kind of knew this was coming because I noticed in the last couple years leading up to Christmas Invitation, you would review all the different Hallmark or different Christmas movies. So when I heard you were doing the Christmas movie, I was like, okay, I can I can see that coming now after all these years of reading your reviews. Well, you know, it was it, that's what convinced me. You know, Scared Stiff Reviews... Um, my website is a gift that keeps giving. My wife and I watched a movie called The Mistletones. It was the first Hallmark movie that I've seen. And I'm watching it, and I never reviewed really anything outside of horror films. And I'm watching it, and it had uh, you know, Carl Winslow in it and a few other notable TV characters. And I found a strange amusement from it, so I wrote a review. And most of my horror films get like 5,000 views to 15,000 views. And my site crashed. And I'm like, why did it crash? And I looked, and that freaking Mistletones got 50,000 views in the first three days. And I'm like, I'm reviewing Christmas movies from now on. And that's how it happened, and that's what led me to the Christmas invitation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was an awesome experience. All, you know, it's, uh, it's, I'm glad that I was able to produce something that wasn't horror that succeeded because, you know, I don't want to be listed as a one-trick pony. Yeah, I forgot to mention earlier, this is a very special podcast. This is the meeting of two different scared stiffs. 
Gino's been writing for um, Scared Shift Reviews since what 2004? Is that when you started? Oh uh, yeah, 2000. Uh, yeah, 2004. I think was the launch. And I ripped you off, and I I, I started my Scared Stiff TV in 2008, not knowing that there was a Scared Shift Reviews. But I'm glad that um, I chose that name because now we've met through social media, and now here you are on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, you know, and and I'm glad you you took that because no matter what, if they're looking for me, they'll find you. If they're looking for you, they'll find me. So it kind of works out. It's some synergy, scared synergy. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so on top of Christmas initiation, you've done some other films that strayed from the horror genre. You did your your Fatal Justice, which what would you consider that more of an action drama? Yeah, a drama, maybe even like suspense. Fatal Justice. Man, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I'm a big 12 Angry Men fan. And so um, I wanted to make something that was kind of like that. And so the film includes uh, basically it's a family that uh, lost one of their their own. A uh, college girl was murdered. And so one of the family members kidnaps the suspected killer when he's released. And they hold their own family trial. And uh, it's just such a... I think it's such a great film, great acting, and uh, I, I hope everyone gives it a shot. It, it, thankfully, it's doing well, and um, but I like to see everyone give it a shot, especially if you like 12 Angry Men, because I think you can find that interwoven through the entire screenplay. And then for your next film, once again, you strayed from the horror genre and you made a Western film. Talk about the difference making a Western versus making a horror film. Well, you know... it. I had never really watched Westerns, and uh, my boss, uh, Greg Hatanaka, the owner of Cinema Epic, um, when we were flying to California, he's like, let's make a Western. And so I really was drawn a blank. I watched a few Westerns. I pitched the idea of a zombie cowboy, and that was shot down. And so I had to kind of like just sit there and think, and then I started writing it. I wasn't a big fan of it, and I had gone to sleep. Two o'clock in the morning, I wake up with this idea, and now I'm 2 a.m. On, on a work morning, typing up this new screenplay for Deadly Western, which is a it's a Western, but it's it's more of a Twilight Zone episode. Big twists along the way and uh, just a great time to be filming, you know, in California on these old West sets with horses and with, um, you know, actors and actresses on that side of the map. And, you know, I worked with Lisa London, who was in Dirty Harry which, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you say, holy shit, you know, I'm I'm directing someone that was in a film I watched when I was a kid. It's it's pretty amazing stuff and just a great experience, you know, because in Massachusetts, I typically film at houses or I film, you know, wherever they'll let me. Uh, in California, you film on sets. You, you walk to a warehouse, you look to your left, there's an office. You look to your right, there's a hospital. You look straight ahead, there's a bar. It's a different world. It was an awesome experience all around. And uh, so Deadly these, Western was great. So these Western sets, these weren't built for you? These were pre-made sets that were at the studio you guys filmed at? Uh, th these actually were their own studio. I guess like a lot of different filmmakers rent them and, and Cinema Epic uh, rented them out. And we, we shot there. We shot two different Western sets. And... Um, both of them were fantastic. It was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, that's they're just basically Western sets. And if you want to make a Western and you got some money to throw into it, uh, they're there for you. And you filmed this in the Fatal Justice pretty quick. You filmed these back to back in about two week span, was it? Uh, six days. Six we, days. Uh, two features. Wow. 
you know, it was, it was crazy, but when I saw how it operated, like, um, cause I'm more of an easygoing pace, but when I got to California, it was, everything was just boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, holy crap. But the actors were so good that it, they knew their lines, the camera guys that they had, they knew their positions. And I tell you, it was pretty awesome to go somewhere where they're like, no, don't touch the lights. You're the director. You don't have to do that. Where here, I'm moving lights, I'm taking down equipment, and I tell you what, I quite enjoyed not doing that stuff. We we just banged it out in three days. Fatal Justice was done. Uh, it's an 80-minute movie, and then we went and did Deadly Western, and we actually finished early. Like The first day, we did so much of the film that the second day, I'm like, holy crap, we don't have a lot to do. So the way they film there is like high octane, get it done, get it out. And um, it took me a while to, app, to really uh, get myself uh, used to that kind of speed. But um, once I did, we were off and running. Cool. And what film are you working on now? Right now, I'm planning to film a comedy movie, which is about these two brothers that can't get along, but they decide to go on a road trip to save their dad who left their mother for a 20-year-old and uh, is blowing through the family fortune. And so um, it's a very, you know, raunchy. It's kind of like the, uh, I, comparatively, if stepbrothers met Freddie Got Fingered sort of like vibe to it, there's a Sasquatch in it, which I always like to add. And um, that's the plan. We're filming that in um, March, April-ish. My latest film, Scary Tales Dead Zone, came out on October the 13th, and that is going gangbusters, uh, I'm happy to report. And um yeah, things are going well. I got a, a three film plan for next year, so I'll keep on filming as long as uh, as long as I still got money in the bank. And um, I always say I'll either uh, get rich or go broke. Like I said at the top of the show, one of the most prolific indie filmmakers working today, Gino Magahi. Well, I appreciate that. So, could we expect to see your your usual acting troupe in in the next film? Yes, uh, absolutely. But I, we're expanding, like. In uh, Scary Tales Dead Zone, I filmed three. There's other two other Scary Tales that I've done, and I wanted to do something like a keep busy sort of film. And so I've been going to these different stage plays that are are hosted by people I know. And and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed stage shows until I started going to these. And but it, I was almost became like a, a shopper, you know, like these actors are are fantastic. I wanna I wanna invite them in, and and now the ex posse is growing. So um, you're going to see the normal people, but you're also going to see the new faces that you saw in dead zone. And there's a few other actors that I'm talking to now that are, are also going to be invited in, but the people that people have grown to love, you're going to see them again in the comedy movie and in any other movie I do. Cause you know, I always say once your family, your family, I, I would never ever shun anybody. I love these guys too much. Sounds great. Let everyone know where could they find all your films? Uh, if you type my name into Tubi, or if you look up any of my titles, you know, Christmas Invitation, Scary Tales, Dead Zone, Rise of the Scarecrows, Hell on Earth, Fatal Justice, Deadly Western, you'll you'll find you, you can find them on Tubi. They're all on Tubi. Uh, if you want to pay a few bucks and you have faith in me, uh, go to Amazon.com. They're they're all there on Prime, and. Um, if for Christmas invitation, it's also on Pluto TV and on Redbox. So as long as you know my name, you can find my work. And anyone that checks it out, I'd love to hear feedback, If uh, even if you hate my guts. I hope you enjoy, enjoy my work. 
That sounds good. We have a segment of the show now, a little game we have. It's called okay. 13 Questions. Oh, beautiful. And these questions could be about anything, but just give me the first answer that comes to your head. Gladly. Ready? I'm ready, man. Gina Magahi, 13 Questions. Question one. Favorite fast food? Oof. Um, Burger King. Good answer. Favorite candy? Swedish fish. Favorite horror movie? Um, children shouldn't play with dead things. Favorite Christmas movie? Christmas Invitation. Okay, uh, I'll say uh, that's in the top ten, but let's go with um, uh, Christmas with the Cranks or uh, Christmas Lampoon's Vacation, one or the other. They're tied. Both phenomenal movies. You can't go wrong with either one. There you go. Favorite Christmas horror movie? Black Christmas. Which year are we talking? Oh, absolutely. 74. Forget okay. the other one. <laughs> Favorite filmmaker? You know, I John Carpenter, uh, for sure. No doubt. If you could pick one person to remake any one of your movies, who would it be and what would you like to see be remade? Oh, geez. <sighs> You know that that's such that's oh my god that's a tough question, but you know let's say uh let's give uh, Eli Roth Evil Awakening I think with his gore and his uh current run let's 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 let him get his claws in Evil Awakening because I'd like for that to get some uh, some noise so yeah I guess that's the top of my head that's what came to me so that's what I'm going to as you said I'd buy a ticket oh <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> What's one horror crossover that you would like to see? Oof. Oh, geez. That is that is such a tough one. I guess I would like to see Freddy vs. Jason, but in other people's hands, because I thought Freddy vs. Jason was the perfect combo. I was so excited for it, and I thought it blew. And so if they could actually get people that understand Jason and Freddy and put it together in a better way. So Jason versus Freddy certainly would be my top choice, even though it's already been done. Every other one I have a hard time with, you know, uh, Leprechaun and Chucky doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't mind seeing the, the creeper. How about Jason and the creeper, put them together. That might be fun. So yeah. either one Jeepers creepers, uh, the creeper and Jason or Jason, Freddy redone the right way. I always thought seeing Jason wake up in one of Jigsaw's trap would be interesting. That would be badass too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, because he wouldn't care. He'll pull his eye out if he has to get a key. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care. No, no, that would be awesome. Anything with Jason is awesome. So Absolutely. Uh, you can't you can't lose with Jason. Great. If you can cross over any of your movies with another horror franchise, which one would you do? A uh, very very easy answer. Jason Voorhees and my scarecrows. You, you, they, they, the scarecrows are a tribute to Jason Voorhees. I'd have no reservations about Jason killing my scarecrows, but I sure as hell would love to see, you know, the scarecrows and Jason Voorhees go head to head. Uh, oh my God, what fun that would be because even my characters, Mitch and Stacy and Officer Brown from the first one, you know, uh, going with. Tommy Jarvis and all that other man. I could write that shit. So let's let's do let's start a letter writing campaign. Let's make that happen. 
Absolutely. Hashtag Jason versus the Scarecrows. Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> I'm down for sure. Favorite kill from one of your movies? Favorite kill would have to be Family Secret from 2008. It's been renamed and recut, so it's not just a rebranding. Um, Satanic Meat Cleaver Massacre, also on Tubi. There's a bathroom scene where the uh, granny killer jumps out of the stall and slashes a girl's throat. I think that's that was pretty badass. And the only thing, like maybe I would say is equal or better would be when the scarecrows took that big old saw and cut the guy in two and the blood flew everywhere. So between those two, those two are probably my two favorite kills. If any of your movies, you can write and direct a sequel to it. Which movie would it be? Well, the one that um, I want to do badly is um, rise of the scarecrows three, the last straw where I team up the survivors from this very first and the survivors from the second to finally take out the scarecrows uh, is something I badly want to do. Unfortunately, the S- S- scarecrows second movie was so expensive and I didn't, I didn't get the money back for sure. It didn't do what I wanted it to do that making a third one. That's going to be even pricier. I'm not overly eager to do at this point, but I want to, I really want to. So that's the one I want to do is the third scarecrows to wrap up the series. And I, I know I will eventually, you know, even like I say, go broke or uh, get rich. If I go broke doing it, I will. But it's definitely on the back burner for now. But that would be it. So you Scarecrow fans out there listening, if you want to see part three, watch part one and two over again on Tubi. And maybe yes. you'll get part three one day. I hope so. Thank you if you do. <laughs> if you could film a movie in any location in the world, where would you choose and why? Las Vegas. Uh, I want to make an action film. Las Vegas is screaming my name. I went there once in my life, and it, and that was 20 years ago, and it's still screaming my name as it wants me back. So I would love to do a, a um, an action film in Las Vegas. Uh, I already have it all in my head, and um, if I had that opportunity, I would jump right at it. And I have to believe it's in the cards because – I just know my buddy Eric and I, we always talk about, you know, having a, a toast on top of one of the Vegas buildings as we prep for it. So it's got to happen. I can't see it not happening. So Las Vegas all the way. Uh, it's a wonderful place. Yeah, you made your, your way out west for your films for the first time that last year. So it's only a matter of time. Anything is possible. It's a cool thing. You know, I used to have a goal list. And the goal had, you know, shoot in California and all this other stuff. And it was really awesome just to take that and crumple it up like uh, Rocky did it with Dolph Lundgren's uh, picture in uh, in Rocky Four. So now the goal is just to, uh, you know, shoot an action film in Vegas. I have some other stuff. i got to write them down. And hopefully I can crumple that picture up, too, before I'm too old to make films. This is your final question now. This is question 13. Okay. If you can teach your younger self anything about filmmaking, what would you teach young Gino? Oh, geez. I I would definitely sit him down and just tell him to be more confident. That was probably the thing that would have uh, hurt my younger self more than anything was I had a lack of confidence and it showed. I was afraid to be uh, more real and more emotionally invested. And like, so if I, if I had the opportunity to talk to my younger self, I would tell him, be focused, be confident. You have it. Don't worry what other people will say about what you create. 
because there's always going to be haters and people that that tell you you know you, you've made something that sucks or you you're not cut out for it but just just do it you know like when i made christmas invitation it was the most open film i've ever made about myself personally and it was great it was something that i i, I am very proud of so if i could tell young gino to just don't worry about the the backlash or even the feedback from your close friends telling you you're not that this is just um doing it for fun this is just a pipe dream this isn't anything you know just uh be more focused believe in yourself and write what's in your heart and then you'll be better off people will resonate to it more that's a great answer that was 13 questions of gino magahi thank you doug i appreciate that man yeah. I, it's, it's it was much fun yeah, so this comes to the end of our podcast. This was really a pleasure to have you on board. You have a wealth of knowledge from your decades of making films. I, I appreciate Doug, man. Thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate the invite on the show. It's it's been nothing but a, but a pleasure. Yeah, and I hope you guys, if you haven't seen any of Gino's films, there are plenty out there to choose from, and plenty of places you can watch them Tubi, amazon pluto just search up gino magahi there's there's something for everybody out there yes sir absolutely yeah we look forward to your next films gino once again it's been a pleasure having you thanks again doug i appreciate the time thanks for listening to this week's episode of the scared stiff horror podcast check back next week for part one of our multi-part christmas special for the next few weeks we will dive into Christmas horror movies and break them down as we celebrate the season. Follow us on Instagram at scared underscore stiff underscore films and like us on Facebook at scared stiff TV. Thanks again for listening and see you guys next week. Bye.